For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to The Kelly Green Show. D-A-T-L-E-S-E-O-S! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Bunch of underdogs. And you know what an underdogs is? It's a hungry dog. Hungry dogs run faster. And that's this team. Here's your host, Football Kelly. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Show. I am your host, Football Kelly. This week, the Eagles Unfiltered Know Your Enemy segment features DFS Pro and Eagles fan Chris Robin. Thank you so much for coming on the show to discuss the Lions and this upcoming matchup against the Eagles. Chris, how are you doing? Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And you said, uh, Chris, uh, Detroit Beastie Eagles fan. Maybe after this broadcast, I'll be an Eagles fan. But as it stands right now, Kelly, I'm a full-blown, 100%, like it or not, Detroit Lions guy. Hey, man, I'll try to convert you, but there's not much of a negotiation on my part to make you convinced that the the Eagles are the route to go this season, for sure. Um, Speaking of struggling fan base to struggling fan base at this point in the year. How are Lions fans doing? And are they patient with this new coaching staff coming in so far? Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, at least you you have a Super Bowl appearance. You have a Super Bowl win in the last decade. I mean, I'm 37 years old and all I've ever wanted from a child to now as at being in my late thirties is just win the NFC North, just make some sort of deep playoff run and they can't make it happen in terms of, of the fan base here. I mean, I, I don't think I speak for, for all the lions fan bases, but I was born and raised on the East side of Detroit. And it's the same thing every year. You could set your watch by it, which I do every year. The draft happens. Oh, we got some good kids. We'll see how they do preseason. They're fantastic. We're going to win the North. And then, you know, four or five games into the season, especially this year, they haven't won a game and people are already turning their attention to next season. But I will say Detroit Lions fans are unlike any other fan base I I think I've ever been around here. And that's saying something, being in North with the Packers and the the storied Chicago Bears and things along those lines. But Lions fans, are they're true blue. They they love the Detroit Lions franchise. We're a hardworking city and we expect the same from our professional sports teams and our professional athletes. So rain or shine, win or loss, people are always going to have have the Lions back. And I say this on, on, excuse me, I've said this on numerous other broadcasts here. The Red Wings had an era of dominance where they won, you know, Stanley Cup after Stanley Cup. The Tigers played in World Series. And it doesn't matter what's going on in Detroit sports. The Detroit Lions always dominate the paper and the local radio here. So again, Detroit Lions fans are unlike any other fan base I've ever, you know, been in contact with here, Kelly. Now, Chris, that sounds so familiar because as a person who grew up in Philly, it's been the Eagles. Like this is a very much similar town to Detroit when it comes to 
our sports allegiances. Uh, we've seen the Sixers do well. We've seen the Phillies win a World Series. We, you know, we've seen a lot go on in the last, you know, few decades of uh, the city when it comes to sports. But nothing was quite as special as that Super Bowl win. And I am definitely looking forward to the time when you guys can definitely get that win for yourselves. I think that it was such a special thing that, you know, I've also, you know, kind of talked about like the Bills fan base and all those fan bases that I've also sympathized with, with the no rings jokes and things like that, that really, you know, kill a conversation. Like you're having a good sports debate with a team and, a, and their fan base and they, they pull out the no rings thing. Like, I am so happy that's been taken away from the discussion for the Eagles. I'm really looking forward to when that can be taken away from you guys. You can really uh, enjoy all the the fruits of the the pain and the suffering that you've had to go through being loyal Lions fans all these years. Absolutely. And I will say, right, so Philadelphia, they won a Super Bowl not too long ago. We all know, I mean, you lived it. I mean, you live and breathe Philadelphia Eagles stuff here. So it wasn't that long ago that they won a Super Bowl. If that were to happen here in Detroit, I could die a happy man. If I died tomorrow, I would be a happy man. We'd be talking about a Lions Super Bowl victory until the day that I die. The city would, would be a buzz for probably 20 years. So it just goes to show you what kind of fan base the Philadelphia the Eagles are and what they expect from their team. I mean, again, what I'm trying to get at here, Kelly, is if the Lions won a Super Bowl in the last five or six years, uh, we'd be forgiving. We'd be up. Whatever happens, happens. We finally got one. And there in Philly, you and all the other Eagles fans here, uh, you want more. And that's rightfully so. I would imagine once you get a taste of a deep playoff run, once you get a taste of a Super Bowl appearance and also a victory here, you want more. That's the logical choice in things. If you're if you like to drink or eat food a lot, you uh, after that good meal or that good drink, you want more and more and more. So in a way, it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of good that the Lions haven't won a Super Bowl because again, it would throw the city into a frenzy. And I, I don't know what that would be like, but hey, I'm here and hopefully we can experience it. Yeah, I mean, I think the last few years as an Eagles fan, you're kind of. Uh, dealing with the team in a way where you're forg- forgiving for sure. I think a lot of fans have been forgiving in a lot of senses where the team is kind of unraveled in front of our eyes, which is very upsetting. I mean, you go from winning a Super Bowl, then you don't have your quarterback anymore. And you also don't have your backup quarterback anymore, who also was the MVP of that game. You also don't have your coaching staff anymore. So a lot has changed in the last few years where you're like, what happened? Like you just try to get a sense of what's going on. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the lions and where they're at, because you guys have been in a lot of these games so far this season, you know, what's your take, what's your review of what this team is and what are you looking at on the offensive and defensive side of the lions roster? Well, here's my thing, and hopefully you've you've carved out a couple hours uh, on this evening <laughs> to record this because I mean I could go on and on, but simply put, here uh, I'm a big fan of this new coaching staff. Brad Holmes as our new GM, Dan Campbell, the head coach, and all the coordinators down the list. I mean, uh, you know, Dan Campbell is a passionate man. We go from the the biting the kneecap speech to then crying after you know a few games ago, and then he puts down his quarterback Jared Golf. I mean, Dan Campbell is a man's man. He's a stud. 
and he expects a, a certain, uh, how can I put, he expects a certain kind of quality from the players on the field. And I'm not going to call them kids because we know that was Matt Patricia's downfall. He, he talked bad to everybody, put them down, called them names, even the laundry people he put down and it got old really quick. So much so Matthew Stafford wanted to split, but you know, in terms of what's going on now in this coaching staff, if you may indulge me briefly, let's just take away the record. Let's say right now at this moment in time, they're, they're zero and zero. They haven't lost their first seven games. Uh, you know, Dan is getting these guys to play. They're feisty. They're, they're on fire. Our first round selection to a, or not to a tag of Iola, but Penny Sewell <laughs> was in Aaron, Aaron Donald's face the other game. I know that's been a meme and, you know, a video that's gone around. People say, what stones on this kid to get in someone's face like Aaron Donald, defensive player of the year. He's just a monster. And that's what, what kind of, you know, atmosphere Dan is creating. He's not creating some sort of dirty culture here where you're going to step on someone's face or you're going to body slam them in the center of the field. He's he's raising these guys. Let's just call it what it is. As a coach, you're there to help other people and show them the right way. Dan is here and the other coaches to kind of tell these guys what they need to do because there's been a, a, a massively uh, losing culture here. Again, another phrase that uh, kind of makes me cringe and I just used it here, but there's been a culture in Detroit that it's like anything goes. Uh, they're used to losing. You just come here, you get a paycheck, you can go home with your friends and family. And that's about it. Dan Campbell has come in and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, kick me off the broadcast, but I firmly believe Dan and, and Brad has flipped this thing on its head. If you look at what they did in the draft here, Kelly, right? They, they drafted uh, Penny Sewell first overall, and then they went back to back defensive line picks and more defensive talent in the secondary here. And they waited and they waited. God knows we needed a wide receiver and they waited and they waited and they got a Monroe really late in the draft. They added some, you know, undrafted free agents here. So to me, the draft class was outstanding, but that's not the, the mark of a team. you got to put together several draft classes here to kind of make your marker to mold what you want this team to do in the future here. So as I've said, let's say the team is 0-0, 0-0 right now. I like what I'm seeing from both the players and the coaches here. These guys are not giving up. Brad is still, uh, Brad and excuse me, Dan are still passionate. He's flying around on the sidelines. He's yelling. He's getting in people's faces. That passion and that fire is there. And that's all I've ever wanted from this team. Just fight. Show some, some, show these teams that we can play. Hit them in the mouth and go from there. And that's what I'm seeing now. And I like that in terms of the production on the field. Obviously, what can I say? They're 0-7. There's not much there that you like from an on-the-game productive kind of standpoint. But DeAndre Swift is, at this moment in time, a stone-cold stud. I know folks can't see it right now but I got an autographed DeAndre Swift jersey hanging behind me in all my broadcasts. I believe in DeAndre Swift. I believe in this offense and certainly the defense. I have a feeling here, Kelly, you know, in free agency, let's say in the off season and certainly in the draft, they're going to dig in and they're just going to just, just hammer home offensive line, defensive line and players of those uh, talents. Linebacker would be huge here because if we've seen anything in the last few years in the NFL, you know, Matt, drafting Matthew Stafford first overall didn't work. I mean, he, he got us some wins, some greedy stuff, but it doesn't translate. You have to build football teams from the inside and, and, and out. Look at what Buffalo did. Look at what Kansas City is doing. They built their teams. And then when they were ready, when they said, you know what, I think we can win now. 
boom, that's when they draft a quarterback and go here, we, we built this whole you know, roster and then boom, we pluck you in the draft or free agency and boom, this is your team. And then they're off and running. Looks like Buffalo's figured it out. Cincinnati with Joe Burrow looks like they figured it out. And as we said earlier, right, these teams that that were down and out, just like the Lions, have fit, looks like they figured it out before Detroit has. And that's fine. I've been patient for 37 years. If need be, I could be patient for another 37 years. But short term, uh, I, I believe this team is on the right path. It's, it's very slow steps. It's like an inchworm here. We're not taking these massive leaps, and that's okay. Personally, I wasn't expecting big numbers. I wasn't expecting to be, you know, looking for an NFC North title in year one with this new coaching staff. But the players that he has on the field now, I'm telling you, all those that stay, they're going to carry this over to next season and then next season. And then you, you sprinkle in another strong draft class after another other strong draft class with a couple free agent signings and we'll, we'll have something going. And I, I know after that whole spiel, I shouldn't end it with a joke here, but I will, you know, as long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback in green Bay, I think the lions are, they're not going to do much. So the day Aaron Rodgers retires is the day that the Detroit lions will kind of rise above and go from there. And the course that these two teams are on right now, Kelly, I could see it happening in the next two or three seasons, year three, year four with Dan, after some draft classes, Aaron Rodgers, retires and boom the lions are ready to make a move here in the north you know chris it was really great to hear you talk about what the journey has been during the losing streak that has been happening early on in your new coaching staff's career because what's been happening in philadelphia is yes we've won two games but a lot of times you're discouraged by the stupid mistakes that are made by the coaching staff feeling like the coaching staff is actually putting you at a disadvantage in a lot of ways. What I'm hearing from you is a lot of hope in and belief in the progress of your franchise. And there's a lot of doubt in the Eagles fan base when it comes to the confidence we have in what they're building, how, how they've hired this coaching staff and how unprepared they've seemed so far this year. Um, so it is interesting because you've you've kind of talked about your confidence in the direction of the GM, the direction of the, you know, drafting, the direction of the coaching decisions and how they've motivated the locker room. That's something that has been missing in Philadelphia this season. It's something that I was hoping to see, as you were saying, you want to feel confident that there's progress being made. You want to feel like these young guys like Sewell for the for the Lions was able to come in and make an impact for the team and create, you know, opportunities. We got a great player in the top 10 of the draft in Devonte Smith. And yet he still gets like completely um, covered up by the bad decisions that are made, whether it's the quarterback decisions or the fact that, you know, there's been injuries or, whatever the excuse may be, but ultimately it feels like an execution, a, a coaching decision mistake that is happening to cause you to feel like you're not seeing the full potential of these players. Um, your franchise actually changed over coaching staffs as we kind of talked about, and you got Deuce Staley, who a lot of Eagles fans wanted to see as the head coach here in Philadelphia I've heard on the sports radio stations consistently since, I guess, last week, just this constant 
conversation about how much of a mistake it was for Jeffrey Lurie and the GM, Howie Roseman, to let Deuce Staley leave and go to Detroit. How are you feeling about what his impact has been in Detroit so far? Oh, it's been fantastic. And so I want to thank you and the Philadelphia organization for just letting him walk away scot-free and come here. I've caught a lot of uh, a lot of clips in like behind the scenes stuff. I have a friend uh, who is a, a like a principal photography guy for the Lions. So I get some inside stuff, nothing crazy, nothing that I could, you know, publish or say that I'm an insider Detroit Lions guy. But he tells me that that deuce is around 24-7. All the, the, the players love him because, again, it's kind of that mindset, right? As a behavioral therapist, right? You go, if someone goes to, do they go to treatment? They're drinking too much. They want to get sober. You want help from someone who's been through that same kind of struggle, right? If I went in and I had a drinking problem and I just got some, I have some bookworm in front of me, I would say, well, yeah, uh, she's a great therapist, but she can't understand me deep down. So the analogy here is Deuce Daly was a hard-nosed, tough son of a bee when he played football, right? He was in Philadelphia. He did well. So a Those guys gravitate towards that. Deuce Staley has lived it through college, through the draft process, playing in the NFL, the ups and downs of travel and practices and all that stuff. So when he talks to guys, when he talks to a young running back like DeAndre Swift, they listen. They're not just blowing it off because, well, from what I've noticed, and I've dug in a lot, I've asked questions and and read so much stuff. The the old coaching staff, they acted like, you know, we're better than, right? We're, We're in a position of power here and you're just our minions and you'll do what we say. And it created a nasty vibe in the locker room and then on the field and you could see it the last few seasons in the Patricia era these guys just they were again they were just there to go through the motions get paid and then they split here now with Deuce Staley as the running backs coach and the assistant uh, to the head coach here uh, he's been a, a great addition and again in the opening of this broadcast I mentioned that the new GM Brad Holmes the new head coach uh, Dan Campbell and also the, the the you know the assistant coaches here and I meant Deuce Staley this guy is is something else. And I'm so glad he's here in Detroit helping these guys and, and getting, you know, getting them together to put, to do something, to just put something together, not just a lump, not just a fly on the wall. He's actually contributing big time. And in the summer, spring in the summer, I'll, I'll leave it be here. Uh, he was on the field lining up against other running backs, against other cornerbacks. Uh, and he was actually going into plays without a helmet, putting his hands on players, showing them this is the first step you got to take. If you want to get from A to B, this is the first step you got to take. Your hips got, I mean, that kind of stuff to me is priceless. It's invaluable. And you wouldn't get that from just a guy who grew up watching football and he got a, a you know, an assistant coaching position, right? He lived it. He's been through the struggle. And I'm telling you now, Kelly, hopefully uh, other folks understand this. There is nothing better that, than, you know, putting all your problems and then trust in someone that's come before you, that's blazed a trail before you. Guys will open up and they will listen to you more solo if you were just, you know, some regular guy off the street. Now, Chris, I can't help but create a correlation from what you just said to what the Eagles did before the Super Bowl win that we had. Uh, Chip Kelly was a, a dictator in this, you know, franchise. And after a few seasons, he was gone. And the Eagles replaced him with 
Doug Peterson and Frank Reich, who were actual NFL caliber players who had been where those guys were. Dan Campbell, Deuce Staley are guys that have played the game, can relate to these guys, be player coaches, players, and players really respond to that. And so when I think about what you guys are building in Detroit, I almost envy it because I know how powerful that decision-making can be. And I think the Eagles front office almost overthought Deuce Staley being that guy to replace Peterson because yes, maybe Peterson wasn't the guy to lead the team moving forward. And you, you made that decision and can't decide, you know, that he, he's going to be here much longer, but Deuce Staley was in your building. He had the respect of your players and you let him go. And you brought in somebody who was very green, who didn't fully understand things. And people will say, Oh, Deuce Staley didn't have any play calling. Nick Sirianni also had no play calling experience. So when we compare apples to oranges, I want the guy who has the ability to relate to these guys. And I think that's what is missing in what the Eagles have been putting together thus far since the Super Bowl. It's kind of unraveled. They've been overthinking the process. I think the Lions are going about it the right way. Now let's transition to a little bit of a conversation about one guy that you mentioned a little earlier. DeAndre Swift is from Philly. Big fan of what he's been doing this year. Really love seeing him shining in Detroit. What have you seen in his development? And what are you looking to see from him against this Eagles defense? Well, DeAndre Swift to me, last year he looked, um, how can I, like apprehensive. Like he, he would, he's on the field, always been a stud, especially at Georgia. Last season, he, he was like, it looked like he was, you know, insecure with making decisions on the field. And again, I think that was a product of a an awful coaching staff and an awful regime before him. So from then, let's fast forward from then to now. When he's on the field, DeAndre Swift, this kid knows he has a hundred percent confidence of the coaching staff, of his other players, of the whole city here, his friends. His, I mean, that goes a long way. A lot of folks in terms of fantasy football and DFS, they say, I want this play. It's all analytics. It's all numbers. But what about the support of the folks around you? What about the support of your peers here? So to me, DeAndre Swift looks unbelievably more uh, like he, he makes a decision and bam, he's very decisive. He sees a hole, bam, he cuts. He goes about his business very cool and calculated. There's no wasted steps. There's no wasted movement. They get him the ball and he's gone. Last year, he looked to me like he was second guessing himself. Do I want to go here? Do I want to go there? And before you know it, NFL defenses, they're so fast. He's under a pile, bam, minus yards. And you go from there. This season, his decision-making is unbelievably fantastic. Spot on. He makes a choice and bam. And that has everything to do with what he already knows, his instincts as a football player. Not a, It doesn't even have to be a professional football player. His instincts instincts as a football player from the day he put on his first helmet as a child to now he's he has it in him and it's up to his teammates his support system and the coaching staff a la Deuce Staley 
or Dan Campbell to say, hey, kid, you're our, you're our, our guy. You're the man. And he has all that support behind him. And I firmly believe he feels like he can't lose. I get the ball and I'm gone. So the decision making is more crisp. The decision making is more clear with DeAndre Swift. And I think you, you mentioned apples and oranges last season compared to this season. It's not even close. We've seen the numbers start to rack up. Granted, you know, people talk about uh, Jalen Hurts, the king of garbage time. Folks say DeAndre Swift is the the king of garbage time. So in a way here, Kelly, the narrative on Sunday could be who's going to take over the throne of the king of the garbage time. Regardless, I don't care. It's helping his development. And again, his decision-making is unbelievably fantastic. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about that Rams game and kind of what's leading up to the game against the Eagles. But before that, I have a little bit of a fun game where we're going to talk about some things that are outside of the traditional questions. So if you wouldn't mind obliging me in answering these, I fully expect some Lions fans will probably listen if you retweet it tomorrow or however long uh, leading up to the game. So I understand if you want to stay a little political with your, your answers here. But in the sake of having fun ahead of this game and this matchup coming up on, on Halloween, Would you rather your football team hear about biting off kneecaps or watering flowers? Uh, It's biting kneecaps. And I'm glad you mentioned that. I won't, I've talked and talked already. We're only like 20 minutes in here, but I was going to mention that briefly. The Nick (laughs) Serrani thing with the watering plants, it seemed he was in space, right? Doug Peterson (laughs) last year was, he was not a good coach. He didn't, his decision-making was, was awful. He was second guessing himself, which is the worst thing you can do as a head coach of a football team. And now we get Nick Serrani look like he had his hoodie on backwards. He's sitting up there and he was completely in space. It was weird. It was really weird. And I I was, it was cringy. Uh, Do you ever know I'm like this? And I'll ask you a a question here within a question. Do you ever get embarrassed for other people? Like you're at the grocery store, you see some lady walk into the wall or you see someone trip and you're like, "Eh," you get embarrassed for them has nothing to do with you, but you're like, that was cringy. And that was that that's embarrassing. That's how I felt for Nick Serrani when he made that that whole watering a, a, a flower and going from there. I mean, it was a weird move. And especially after that, that weird game when they played Tampa Bay and Miles Sanders got no work. And he, it was just Nick Serrani right now is it's, it's weird. And I, I feel for you, but hopefully the guy works it out on the fly here. Yeah. I mean, I've always hoped that, you know, he would kind of learn on the job because yeah, he's kind of green. He's not really had any play calling experience. He's not ever been a head coach in this league. So there's going to be ups and downs, but a lot of the last few games felt like downs. So you hear him saying watering these flowers. And in my head, I go directly into the locker room and I'm like, how is this translating to a bunch of football players? Like I think Dan Campbell is on to something saying we're going to bite some kneecaps off. Like, okay, like let's go. Like egos are a big thing. You go into a locker room and you say, okay, well, we're going to build this. We're going to, you know, create some roots under the soil. Like, I just don't know how that translates on the field. And uh, so for me, I think you guys have the right mentality. And I, I appreciate that you said biting off kneecaps. That's definitely the right answer, regardless of, whether you're a Lions or Eagles fans, I think a lot of people would say football players want to hear, you know, let's bite off some kneecaps versus let's water some flowers. 
Yeah, Kelly, if I may, anytime Dan Campbell talks, he's emotional, he's passionate. And I could listen to Dan Campbell talk all day. And at the end of his speech, I want to run through a wall. So you can only imagine what the players are getting from that stuff. They're lifting weights and they want to hurt somebody. They want to run through a wall. If you take the old, you know, let's do goat yoga and let's rest and let's water plants, a bunch of, you know, meat-headed football players, let's say, I know that's a, a bad, you know, bad you know painting a picture here but if you say biting kneecaps i want to run through a wall if you say we're going to water flowers then it creates kind of like a a fun peaceful kind of atmosphere and these football players they just want to smash they just want to play at a high rate and they want to run through walls so to me it's absolutely the kneecap thing all right next question for you and i posed this on twitter earlier i got a couple of mixed reviews about it largely it got one answer on it but i'm curious what you'll say would you rather lose a close game or lose in a blowout? Oh, wow. That's a great one. Cause there's been a few of those here in Detroit. Uh, actually it's been sided one way. We've lo- always lost in, in blowouts here, but it, to me, a close game is what I would prefer. That means right where it's coming down to the wire. And, and as a Detroit lions guy, and as a, a franchise, so uh, you there would has rather, a- you would rather lose in a close game. Yes. that I mean, losing, it always creates, it, it creates character. It builds character, I should say. So in a close game, they're seeing things and they're going through certain plays and, and going through that. And you're learning some stuff in a blowout. Everybody's kind of on the opposite, the team that's getting beaten pretty bad. You're kind of like, whatever, ho-hum, you're on the bench. You're talking about what you're going to have for dinner after. I mean, you're completely disconnected, but in a tight, close game, it builds character and it gets these guys together even more. Like, like this time we lost, but we didn't, we didn't lose the war. We lost the game, but there's still a war to fight here. So I would prefer losing in a very tight, close game. Okay. I definitely respect that answer. So this one's a little tricky for you. More upside as a potential franchise quarterback, Jalen Hurts or Jared Goff? Oh, this one isn't even a question. It's Jalen Hurts 10 out of 10 times. It's Jalen Hurts a million out of a million times. And, and here, here's, here's what I'll say briefly. Jared Goff, we all know what he's done, uh, started in a Super Bowl. He did all that first overall pick, had a lot of kind of, you know, oomph coming behind him in the draft class. And so did uh, Jalen Hurts in a way. But to me, at this moment in time, Jared Goff has regressed big time. Talk about lack of confidence and, and making bad decisions, ill-advised throws. Jared Goff is doing that right now. I mean, it'd be easy if you just say, here, give the ball to DeAndre Swift or Jamal Williams every play of the game, and that takes the decision-making process out of it for Jared Golf. But to me, Golf doesn't look like he's uh, in the game, if that makes any sense. He's just there, he's the quarterback, and that's it, because I firmly believe he knows what we all know. Jared Golf, your, your days are limited here as a Detroit as a Detroit quarterback. You're kind of a bridge here. The Lions got some first-round selections in the next few years, so you're just here to you're a formidable uh, serviceable NFL quarterback but your days are numbered here and that's about it when Jalen Hurts to me I don't understand all the folks on social media and even on the you know in the news circuit here saying Jalen Hurts is awful his he's not efficient he but guess what Jalen Hurts can take the game uh, under his with his two legs and make it happen that's the whole upside to Jalen Hurts if he if you need a, a first down a, a strong it's third and eight third and long and the 
fourth quarter. If he sees an opening, boom, he's gone. Jalen Hurts can pick that up on the strength of his legs. And, oh, the guy is okay throwing the ball, too. So, to me, it's Jalen Hurts a million out of a million times, and I'm not thinking twice. And, Kelly, I know maybe I'm I'm in the minority here, but I would die on the Jalen Hurts hill right now. He is my number one overall quarterback in my big-time dynasty league. I sold out completely to put to go all in on Jalen Hurts. So to me, not only fantasy, but real life, I'm going Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, 10,000 billion times out of 10,000 billion times. I love it, Chris. I think that the struggle people have with Jalen Hurts and maybe the the challenge that people have with trying to understand Jalen Hurts is that he's not a traditional quarterback that you've seen over the course of so many years, but he is able to create, like you said, um, he's not in a box. He's not that traditional passer. He can create those opportunities. I think he's being held back a lot by the coaching staff in, in a lot of ways. So he's not getting a full opportunity to showcase what he can do. There needs to be some changes to the playbook in order to, you know, let him run a little bit more and create those, those, you know, opportunities to make the defense play more honest because he yeah. can make those throws, um, but he needs to loosen up a little bit. As we've seen during a lot of the games, he starts to play a little bit better in the second half. And that's when Sirianni seems to let him run a little bit more. And I think he seems to process the game and the field a little bit better when he's able to run a little bit more because the defense is keeping honest on the run game, which has been lacking over such a long period of time this season. Um, and so I think that that's definitely the path that I'm looking at. Like Jalen Hurts may not be a traditional franchise quarterback, but definitely has the upside to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. My so biggest gripe, to- really quick, Go if on. I may, my biggest gripe with Doug Peterson last season was his his lack of, of confidence in Jalen Hurts. We know Carson Wentz was there, and he was in and out and here and there. But Jalen Hurts, he his confidence, I think, was shot because of Doug Peterson. Is it going to be Wentz? Is it going to be Hurts? So when he left, or actually later in the season, he went all in with Jalen Hurts because I believe Wentz was injured and wasn't able to play. So I, I look at Jalen Hurts in comparison to exactly what's going on with Tua Tagovailoa in Miami. Is he our starting quarterback? Are we trading? Is Ryan, I mean, they're always lack. you know, a young quarterback like Hertz and Tua, they need to have that confidence. You're our guy. You're young. You need to learn. And we're going to let you learn feet to the fire and let's go. That constant hemming and hawing. Yeah. You'll start this week, but then you'll start and then we'll, we'll tag you out in halftime. I mean, it didn't make sense. That's my biggest gripe towards Dougie P which is gone. And Nick Serrani's kind of doing the same same thing with Kenny Gainwell, with Miles Sanders when he was healthy. So uh, it, it's it's blowing my mind. No, I totally agree with you when it comes to that because um, we see, we've we seen Wentz in the Colts offense with a lot of confidence from that franchise, and he's been playing just as good as he was when he was in Philadelphia um, during his MVP season even. He's had those kind of numbers. Uh, maybe the record doesn't translate to what he's, you know, done uh, with the Eagles in that 2017 season with the Colts this season. But Carson Wentz has been given the trust and the confidence of that franchise, and that is showing and reflecting in his ability to make plays and be smart with the ball and protect the ball versus what we were seeing from him last year in the complete debacle that happened 
Um, and it totally ruined his relationship with the Eagles. So um, I totally relate to what you're saying and, and how important that trust and that relationship has to be in order for a quarterback to feel like they can develop into the player you and your fan base are really hoping that they can be. The best thing for the Eagles would be to not have to have the need to use the top three picks that they have in the first round next year, potentially on a quarterback, because then they could attack defense and they could attack, you know, smart decisions on the field that have been lacking for so many years with top talent from this big and intense and impressive 2022 draft class. Um, And one last question to kind of have some fun uh, before we get into what you guys did last week. Um, This is spooky season. The Eagles play in Detroit on Halloween. If there was a movie title for what this game would be, what would your preview title for this movie of Philadelphia versus Detroit be? Oh, wow. I would think, you know, you can run through the whole gamut of, you know, Halloween, Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger. I mean, that that would be too easy. But the first thing that came into my mind here, Kelly, is I don't know if it's exactly a horror movie. It's kind of horror comedy. But do you remember the it's a comic book too? Toxic Avenger. He was like this little scrawny guy. He got <laughs> toxic sludge poured on him and he became a giant. And he, he went around and, and beat people up and hurt people, but he beat up and hurt, you know, bad people people. So I could see a case here on Sunday. And again, I'm making this up as I go. So I don't know what the end result of of what I'm saying here is going to be, but I could see a case here where, you know, the bad people kind of, or the people we dislike, let's say not bad people, but the people we dislike, it kind of shines a light on here. DeAndre Swift is like a version of of toxic Avenger and same with Jalen Hurts. They play well and they make the the other, you know, like Nick Cerrone, they make him look silly. He's like the bad guy in the situation. And Jalen, Jalen Hurts is the Avenger and he puts up, you know, just stuffs the stat sheet unbeknownst to or, or against all advice from Nick Sirianni, you know, the play calling and, and all that. And then DeAndre Swift, same thing. A lot of folks that still don't think DeAndre Swift is that stud kind of dynasty RB1 or just an overall NFL RB1. He'll stuff the stat sheet and he'll make people look foolish. So to me, Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Swift are kind of a version of Toxic Avenger on Sunday and they really take take it to all the people that have been harmful or putting them down the whole way along so far this season. That would be a, a win all for, I think, Lions fans and Eagles fans, because I think the Eagles fan base has been looking for a reason to fully put their trust in Jalen Hurts. I think there's been a lot of people who have been kind of on the sideline, not certain. No, they felt like he might be the bridge like golf has been. Um, you know, suggested in Detroit after the trade of Stafford. So, you know, Jalen Hurts getting a little bit more confidence from the fan base, being able to prove that he can be the guy would be a great thing to see um, going into the later rounds of this season. As Nick Sirianni said early on in the season, every week is a round and you've got a box and battle and blah, 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 whatever he wants to talk about. At the end of the day, you want to see they, them come out and fight, and I, I'm definitely looking forward to this battle. It definitely will be an interesting matchup. I am certainly expecting it to be a close game. Um, 
I don't know necessarily whether the Eagles will win or lose. I've seen a lot of people suggest that the Lions are going to get their first win this week. That is certainly possible. That might even prevent the Dolphins from being able to provide a first overall pick to the Eagles, which I wouldn't be mad about. But, you know, these things kind of work, you know, you, you just battle every week. You see what you've got in these players and it will be all interesting at the end of the day. But on another situation that you guys had dealt with, I really wanted to talk to you about this because I don't think Eagles fans are fully prepared yet. We have not yet had to face Carson Wentz since trading him. So I'm curious what it was like for you and for Lions fans have to play against Matthew Stafford last week. Well, it was fantastic. There's no, I've said it since before he was traded, you know, in the early, uh, let's say at the tail end of spring and into the summer before this trade was even made official before, you know, we knew Matthew Stafford wanted out. I I was on dozens and dozens of broadcasts. And that was the first question, Chris, we want to know what you think of Matthew Stafford. And there is no ill will. Matthew Stafford is a good man. He was a fantastic quarterback for the Detroit lions, but he was an even better uh, human being to the city and the surrounding suburbs, him and his wife as well. So when he came back in town, it was all love. I, I've n- wished him nothing but the best. I'm not one of those guys that'll say, oh, Matthew Stafford went to another city and it's a revenge game and he's a jerk. I mean, he did everything he could for this organization for a, what? Almost a, actually 11 seasons. And I b- firmly believe that through all the coaching changes and all the, the GMs and the, and the front office brass, they failed Uh, Matthew Stafford. You look at him in LA now, he's a stone cold stud. He's a killer. He's got this team clicking on all cylinders. So when, you know, they were in Detroit was in LA, which was okay. If let's say, you know, the Rams were in Detroit, I firmly believe they would have had to stop play. Stafford would have taken the field and every uh, person in that stadium, the, the ushers, the people serving hot dogs, everybody would have went to the side of the field. They would have had to stop play because everybody would clap and, and hurrah. And we love you, Matthew Stafford. But that's just the kind of, you know, city we are in a way. People think that, you know, the city of Detroit, it's crime ridden. Everybody's a jerk. We, you know, we'll beat you up if you come to the stadium in an opposing Jersey. That's not the case. Matthew Stafford did everything he could for this organization. And I also want to say uh, there was a clip of him after it was official him and the wife and his his young girls they walked around ford field and then he split they caught a plane boom they're off to la stafford left a check of his own money for one million dollars to the city of detroit to be used to open up several boys and girls clubs for uh you know the the under or the underprivileged society here in detroit to to, you know after school projects here's three brand new state-of-the-art boys and girls clubs where you can come after school you can be safe you can run around you can enjoy yourself so to me, that just speaks to his character. Matthew Stafford is a damn good human being, and I wish him nothing but love and nothing but the best. You know, I hear Darius Slay, who was also with the Lions, talk nonstop on Twitter about Matthew Stafford and how much he loves that guy. And it's it's constantly like he will bring him up in every constant like tweet, like he will constantly mention how great of a player, how great of a person Matthew Stafford is. It didn't work out the same way on the Carson Wentz side of things for Eagles fans. I don't think that they will be as willing to be like open and happy and 
forgiving when things go down next year, when the Eagles do play the Colts, um, because they feel like they got gypped out of a guy who should have been here and something happened, something broke in the organization to cause him to force his way out. So it was a different dynamic versus what Matthew Stafford did for years and years and years. He played on, on terrible like circumstances. And as you were saying, like the franchise failed him in a lot of ways with decision-making and building around him, but he played through all of that without any complaints and was working really hard. And so there's very much a different dynamic to that relationship as a fan base, looking at the guy who's coming back. But I definitely appreciate your perspective on that particular matchup, because that is definitely something that's constantly happening. I don't know if it happens in your fan base, but you know, the golf to Stafford like comparisons or whatever we have now the Wentz to Hertz comparisons that will never end just because of the fact that Wentz was really in his prime when he got traded. Um, so there are always going to be that dynamic to the relationship of the quarterback of the Eagles Moving on to another interesting situation that happened for you guys last week. You had some gutsy decisions by your coaching staff. First, the Rams with an onside kick and a punt conversion last week. Do you foresee them being that aggressive in the game versus the Eagles? Well, yes and no, right? At the at the moment, all that was happening, they're 0-6. So, you know, they got nothing to lose. So let's kind of, you know, let's get a shot in the arm, some sort of jolt to this team because the game was close. Not until, you know, Jared Goff, they were in the red zone. It was only, they were only down like six points or something and Goff threw an interception on the goal line, if I'm not mistaken. So leading up to all those ballsy, as you put, gutsy play calls, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it because over the years as a fan, we've seen countless numbers of coaches just play it safe and it cost them games. There was a time Marty Morningwig, uh, they won the coin toss in overtime. I believe it was against the Eagles. They won the toss in overtime in Philadelphia and he decided to kick the ball. Philadelphia scored. And I mean, who makes that kind of decision? So stupid play calling kind of goes hand in hand here with the coaching staffs that's come through the halls here in Detroit, you know, and in uh, where they uh, practice here. But to me, those play calls were fantastic. It shows us that, you know, they're alive, they're breathing, they got blood running through their veins and let's try and get outside the box and make something happen. And and most importantly to me, those kind of play calls go over big time in the locker room because that means the coaching staff trusts his players to execute and get these done, right? Because if they fail, it goes all on the coach. If it succeeds, it's all on the players. Oh, that was a great kick. You You booted someone out of the way. We recovered the ball and there it is. So to me, that was an ultimate kind of, uh, you know, it, it comes right out of the coaching 101 handbook. If I do this, it shows nothing but love and trust for my players. And I'm telling you, win or lose, players eat that stuff up and they can't wait to get back to the practice facility. They can't wait to get back on the field to play for their coach. So it, it, they go hand in hand here. So I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I'm definitely expecting some tricky moves from Dan Campbell and Deuce Daly from, uh, you know, his time knowing uh, the Eagles franchise and what they kind of do. Um, definitely looking forward to Darius Slay being back in Detroit and hopefully making some plays on our side of the field. He actually caught the first interception of Carson Wentz's career when he was with Detroit. 
Um, so a lot of games that the Eagles and Detroit Lions have played over the years that are just very memorable. I know Eagles fans love that snowball game. Uh, so many fans were in that stadium while the snow was just pouring down and Shady went crazy a um, few years ago. Uh, everybody kind of mentions that particular game. What game versus the Eagles do you remember most um, from the matchups that the Eagles and Lions have played over the years? I would say what you just mentioned at the snowball way back when. And let me get in my feelings briefly. My, my late father, he was uh, he died of, uh, of cancer a few years ago and he was kind of uh, he was sick and it was, uh, you know, it, he was right about gone at the moment of that game. So I got we got to hang together, watch that game and it perked him up and it was fantastic. So to me, that game will always have a place in my heart because I got to share it with my late father and it was unbelievable. And to be honest with you. If I would have known you asked that question, I, I could still do it. I have some cards I've collected, some tops cards, you know, of Shady, of Calvin, where they, you know, they caught passes and they came up and their entire face mask was just covered, you know, it just stuffed in snow. So I have a stack of cards from that game because I've enjoyed it so much. So to me, it's the snowball. Calvin was prime Calvin and Stafford to Calvin and every snow was everywhere and Shady. That was a fantastic game. I mean, it looked like he was uh, on roller skates because I, at the time, I believe, Kelly, there was, you know, six, eight inches of snow. Like whoever gets to play a game like that, they were like kids. It's like, yeah, it's professional football, but at, for like a two to three hour window here, everybody watching, and everybody playing, they were just kids in a backyard. It's snowing, raining, whatever you want to do it. And everybody was just having a good time. Uh, unfortunately, the Lions lost that one, but it didn't matter because I'm talking about it now. It created such wonderful memories for me with my father and, and just with the game overall. So to me, it's the snowball, not even a question. Well, that's really special, Chris. I love that you shared that with me. Thank you so, so much. Um, tell Eagles fans where they can follow you on Twitter, where they can see your content, where they can listen to you uh, for future content that, you know, they definitely need to, to be in the loop on. Sure. Thank you for giving me that moment. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Detroit Beastie, exactly how it's spelled. Beastie's my cat. Detroit's where I'm from. Pretty easy to kind of associate those two words. Uh, all of my content is at Team Riser Fall. I've transitioned 100% of my content is DFS. Everybody's got dynasty podcasts and seasonal podcasts, and that's all well and dandy. A lot of good stuff, but to me, my 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 passion and my love is DFS, FanDuel, DraftKings, that whole thing. So to me, DFS is where it's at. You can everything I do, I post it on on Facebook, on Twitter, and everything I do, as I've said 17 times in the last 10 seconds, is at Team Riser Fall. Every every single game slate, there's a video on YouTube. People are loving those and I'm loving providing them. So if anybody ever needs anything, you want to talk, you're going through something, or you just want DFS advice, you can find me. My DMs are always open at Detroit Beastie on Twitter, Kelly. Chris is your dynasty fantasy football professional. Go to him if you ever need advice, Eagles fans. I'm telling you that he is incredible. He obviously knows a lot about the Lions, but he knows so much more about the league in general. He knows a lot about Jalen Hurts. I have a lot of confidence in him in the fantasy world, especially. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to all the new content that's coming from Chris in the future. So Eagles fans, listeners, please go check out what he is doing over that way. 
And be sure to subscribe to the Eagles Unfiltered podcast for future episodes of the Kelly Green Show. And fly, Eagles, fly. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.